Okay, this is uh, Exit West by Machine Hammond. The cherry trees exploded on Palace Gardens Terrace at that time, bursting into white blossoms, the closest thing many of the street's new residents had ever seen to snow, and reminding others of ripe cotton in the fields, waiting to be picked, waiting for labour, for the efforts of dark bodies from the villages and in those trees. There were now dark bodies too, children who climbed and played amongst the boughs like little monkeys, not because to be dark is to be monkey-like, though that has been and was being and long will be slurred, but because people are monkeys who have forgotten that they are monkeys, and so have lost respect for what they, have, they are born of, for that natural world around them, but not just then for these children, who were thrilled in nature, playing imaginary games, lost in a cloud, pilots or phoenixes or dragons, and as bloodshed bloomed they made of these trees that were perhaps not intended to be climbed as stuff of a thousand fantasies, that was a single sentence. death sentence for this week and we're doing exit west and it's a piece of crap so it's by uh, machine hammett he is the author of the reluctant fundamentalist although hopefully not too reluctant because um america is the great satan and must be destroyed that was made into a film um he's got a lot of praise uh one of this his generation's most invented and gifted homegirl machiko kukutani in the new york times I'm going to say he's uh, Generation X by the author photo and uh, going by the book itself that he has not actually read books uh, although he has been shortlisted for the Man Booker, the DSC Prize for South Asian Literature, the Impact Dublin Literary Award, the Penn Hemingway Foundation and the Betty Trask Award. And he's also been in the New York Times, New York Review of Books, New Yorker and Granter and uh, was born in uh, Lahore, Pakistan. And um, oh, he now resides um, in London, New York, and California. So, um, like I said, this is uh, a truly bad book. I haven't read Reluctant Fundamentalist, and based on this, I'm not going to. Maybe I'll see the film if it's on a plane, and the like in flight entertainment system on a plane um, has like suffered some sort of glitch, and that's like the only film that can be watched. Like, I can't watch like. Um, Pitch Perfect Free, or um, one of the Three Hundreds. I think they have a third one of those. I can't watch any of those. So I've got to watch The Reluctant Fundamentalist, which is like the only film on this plane. It's kind of like a long plane ride, and I don't have a book. Um, I've got no one to talk to. Under those circumstances, I would watch the film adaptation of one of um, Machine Hammond's books, based on the torturous seven or eight hours I spent abortion over 231 pages. So let's do the plot. Here's a plot. And it's... Uh, the, the idea is good. The idea is really good actually. The idea in the hands of someone who has met a human being would actually really work out really well. So it, an, in an unnamed Middle Eastern country... Uh, we're not actually, actually even told the Middle Eastern, that's kind of taken from cues. Uh, Saeed and Nadia are two relatively young people, probably early 20s, though again not given. And they meet at some sort of class, uh, they fall in sort of love. Um, although at the time, a militant faction, um, 
they're never stated to be uh, kind of Islamists or whatever you want to call that kind of Al-Qaeda, ISIS kind of deal, but they're obviously from their actions are. Um, it's all very, made very, very vague, but you can cues. Such as that Nadia wears, um, it's referred to as a cloak here, but it's obviously maybe a hijab or burqa. Um, I think probably a hijab is, would be the correct term. I don't know, again, cloak is not very well defined. Maybe it's like a Dracula. She is um, Saeed's goth GF, or girlfriend, um, for those of you who are not very online. So they meet, um, I think in this book, the whole book, 231 uh pages which are all like a rusty nail being dragged along a raw nerve um they maybe get like 20 lines of dialogue maybe yeah dialogue does not have its thing at all like i'm just flicking through here trying to find some i'm going i think there are there are whole, whole chapters oh here's some on page 153 uh there's maybe 10 lines of dialogue very repetitious uh no flavor to it whatsoever when Saeed told Nadia this good news, uh, the good news that there's a another family who are like, also Middle Eastern living in the, that they are, um, why would we want to move, she said. To be among our own kind, Saeed answered. What makes them our own kind? They're from our country. From the country we used to be from. Yes, Saeed tried not to sound annoyed. We've left that place. That doesn't mean we have no connection. They're not like me. You haven't met them. I don't need to. Here we have our own room. It's like, um, okay, you, you guys ever seen that movie, uh, The Lobster, or um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer by Yorgos Lanthimos? I think I'm getting that right. Um, I forget where he's from. Maybe he's from a, another unnamed um, Middle Eastern country. But uh, basically, uh, to summarize a really complicated and brilliant, brilliant film, um, Everyone in the world has an autistic spectrum disorder in that film. Like, it, it's... And people are turned into animals, and um, it's, it's very odd, but brilliant, and you really should see it. And it'll, it'll change your opinion of Colin Farrell, which I know, um, without having met you, dear listener, that is, you know, it's going to be a negative opinion. But it won't be after that. Uh, Kindle of the Sacred Deer is apparently the same style, though I haven't seen it yet, though it is supposed to be brilliant and I will make a point of seeing that. Uh, yeah, everyone in this book um, seems to talk in this robotic monotone without any effect at all, or re very little emotion, even in cases of like uh, Saeed's mother getting in front of him, more or less. Um, yeah, I, it's... I don't want to be ableist here, you know, I, I've, I, it's been somewhere on the spectrum, maybe, and, you know, I don't want to, you know, stereotype that all uh, people with Asperger's or somewhere like low-end autistic spectrum uh, talk in a certain way, because I don't at all. Um, although, if you were in front of me and were crying, I would ask if you were hungry or something. Um, yeah, it, it's, the, it's a stereotypical autistic spectrum disorder kind of feel. The same way the lobster is very stereotypical in its portrayal of an entire planet of people on the spectrum. And that feels like this. Even though the, the planet is in a political and emotional upheaval at, the, at this time. Because in addition to in this um, unnamed Middle Eastern country, I'm going to call it UMC. Umek. Uh, Umek. That's what I was going to call it. Unnamed Middle Eastern country. It's like Omak, the Jack Kirby comic. Umek. And uh, Saeed and Nadia are Umekians. So in Umek, coined that, uh, the militants have captured a capital city where Saeed and Nadia live. Um, I assume it's a capital city. And Everyone wants to get out, refugee style. It's the best way to get out. But there's a wrinkle, because uh, appearing all over the world. These portals are just ordinary doors, and they could be anyone's door. They could be the door to your bathroom. They could be a door in an abandoned warehouse. But they just go, as I understand it, they just go black. They're just a black void. 
and if you walk through them you go to another out another door that could be on the other side of the world um, Said and Nadia leave Umek for uh, Mykonos in Greece it's a Greek island I think um, and Greek islands like I think Lesbos are quite um, I was going to say popular with refugees but they have a quite large refugee population right now yeah so they so they get out of their country they go to Mykonos in Greece uh, it's okay for a while they go to London it's okay for a while uh, they get a job kind of um, building a refugee city in the green belt around London um, that's okay for a while they go to San Francisco that's okay for a while and then they break up and then years later in Umek again they meet up and yeah that's the plot it's like all of it um, there are some relative stabs at excitement uh, when when for some unknown reason the army decides to go into this refugee camp which is in the middle of uh, Kensington in London and just like kill everyone like end of children of men style but then they don't they just like quit um, I don't think there's any like violence at all um, Hamid uh, sums it up as some sort of um, uh, but then goodness one out or something it's yeah it's um, yeah and then they get San Francisco and they get a house and there's a kind of vague hint that Said is interested in this one girl and the yeah it's and it's done feel nothing we really feel like the absence of emotion now I, I think I've just like lost a bunch of emotions through reading this it's like rewired my brain um, yeah it's so bad and why like like, like, like this guy has three novels to his name four four of essays published up and down the new every um, publication with the word New York in its title and yeah this is abysmal. Maybe his essays are really good. I really hope so. I really hope he's got something going for him because, well, I mean, as you can tell, uh, people don't particularly give a shit that this is an absolutely awful abyss of despair and a, like, negatively charged emotional plane of non-existence. It's it's like some of those really weird elemental realms you can get to in Dungeons and Dragons where like all the lore just don't anymore except for emotions um, yeah the, the, the only way I could describe the like cosmic crapness of this is by reference to elemental planes in D&D &D. Um, lucky I didn't go for Lovecraft and the amount of like first-year creative writing student mistakes that this four-time published at plus an essay collection plus every publication with the word New York in its title published author does is staggering it's a parade of uh, telling when you could show and I know sometimes you gotta tell just to keep the story going along in a good clip but this only tells this never shows anything there are um, kind of okay little interludes in there's like a little one in Shinjuku in Tokyo various little things that kind of introduce you to this whole portal idea they're like little portals in the story they you know you go somewhere else for a little while you can come back uh, not that you want to because any one of these characters is more fun than Saeed and Nadia who are just dull as fuck and I want them to go to a portal to nowhere um, and yeah, there's little there's little interludes, but I mean, there is even a gun pretty much put on the mantelpiece that does not go off. It, like everyone knows that cliche to the point where subverting it is not even fun anymore. You know, like like I get the I I very much get the impulse to. 
you know? I, I like it sometimes when a writer throws out all the rules and breaks every taboo, you know? And, and which this does. This, but this breaks all the good taboos that we've put in place to help us not write shitty stories. You know, this is like, this isn't the taboo against uh, guys putting on makeup and singing punk songs. This is the taboo about eating a handful of your own shit level taboos. You know, the ones we, we kind of think, okay, we won't break those particular ones because they're good and they help us. We'll break the taboos that hold everyone back and prevent us from being more free because those are bad. Yeah, there are good there are good and bad rules to break, and this breaks the good rules, the rules that say um, develop your characters by showing them doing things, um, have them talk to each other to establish who they are emotionally, uh, give each character a distinct voice, um, show don't tell um, if a gun is on the mantle, and yeah and. Every rule there is broken, and it's the worst book for it. It doesn't benefit at all from breaking those rules, and it doesn't even feel like like uh, Mr. Hamid set out to make this avant-garde, dardarist anti-art that it's come out as. It feels like he set out to make a um, thoughtful um, comment on the refugee crisis as uh, enveloped parts of Europe since the war in Syria and only threatens to get worse as the 21st century goes on. That's the kind of book he wanted to write but he came out with a, this sleeping pill in paper form and I really wanted to give this one up but I owe it to you, my listeners, even though you stupid idiots, I still owe you a, a thoughtful critique of this book and it's there. So, and yeah, Saeed and Nadia are dull characters. Um, they're, like I said, they're in their twenties. Uh, Nadia is portrayed as the slightly more rebellious one. She sometimes smokes pot and has a record player. Uh, Saeed um, lives with his parents and is generally portrayed as the more uh, pious one, although religion is never actually mentioned in this book for no reason. It again doesn't add a damn thing to to be for it to be hinted that these people are Muslims in a Middle Eastern country that could be Syria, uh, but for it to never be said. Now I come off like like Donald Trump in that um, uh, one debate he did where he suddenly thought that if you say radical Islamist terrorism, it's going to go away. But, you know, it, what, what's added from not saying Muslim or hijab or Middle East? Nothing. I, I, we're not going to hate these characters now. Um, white people aren't going to not buy this book, although they should because it's crap. And they wouldn't not buy the book because there's brown people in it. I mean, they can tell from the cover, Moshin Hamid. It's not Martin Hammond, you know? Um, yeah, there's absolutely no reason that we can't just have the name of where they live or the religion they practice or the name of the cape, that cloak that um, Nadia wears or why she wears it. That doesn't add anything. It doesn't make it a universal story because... It's only universal to people who have been lobotomized. And, um, mother is gone. His father said, not for me. Yeah, some good stuff there. Um, yeah, Penn Faulkner, Booker Prize, all that good stuff. Um, is, there's just so many bad things I can see on every page here. And it, the refusal to be political and to name uh, why people want to leave the Middle East and to name why people in the West are resisting that. Well, not re I shouldn't say resisting because that makes them sound like the resistance or that it, what they're doing is noble and not just racist, which it is. I mean, racist. It's racist what they do and shitty. And um, there's very... 
there's very few characters that are uh, from the countries that um, Said and Nadia go to. There's um, these uh, construction. There's a construction worker in um, the green belt around London part where Said and Nadia are basically on a work, big work crew who can, can go live in the houses, which sounds like a pretty sweet deal. And they'll be in London, which is nice. And I want to live in London. And if someone like gave me a bunch of bricks and mortar and said, build a house and you can live in London, I'd be all over that. But they just get bored into a portal. And look at this stuff on the back. Prose so pure and purposeful, it passes straight into the bloodstream. It intoxicates. You know what else does that? Fentanyl. Yeah. So basically calling Machine Hamid the opioid crisis. Okay, and, and this on page 81. Uh, Saeed's father encountered everyday objects that belonged to his wife and so would sweep his consciousness out of the current others referred to as present. A photograph or an earring or a particular shawl worn on a particular occasion. And Nadia encountered each day objects that took her into Saeed's past, a book or music collection or a sticker on the inside of a drawer, and evoked emotions from her own childhood and jagged musings on the fate of her parents and her sister and Saeed, for his part, was inhabiting a chamber that had been his own briefly years ago when relatives from afar abroad used to come to visit and being billeted here again conjured up for him echoes of a better era and so in these several ways these three people sharing this one apartment splash and intersect with each other across very multiple streams of time Th again that's a sentence it literally takes up two-thirds of the page this person is insane and again the the idea that these three people are each in their own way um, experiencing their time differently because their um, Saeed's father is uh, caught up in nostalgia of his dead wife, um, Nadia is uh, looking into um, Saeed's past, his childhood, and Saeed himself is conjuring up his own childhood times, that, you know, you can make a thing out of that. You could, like, I'd like to read it and think, oh, wait, the, the, all these people, they're, they're experiencing things in their own subjective way. And um, through the storytelling and through uh, the accumulation of telling details, I've learnt more about uh, these characters and in turn myself um, through the way they've experienced things. But no, we get um, this chunk that just tells us that that's happening and it never comes up again. It, these, I mean, sure, okay, you want to keep this short because I only read books that are less than 300 pages because I don't have time. Sure, great, you want to keep it sh the book short? That's good, but, you know, have some fucking artistry. You know, develop things. Like, think of an idea, then work out ways you can, like, get that idea into the text without just saying it. And as a comment on refugees, this isn't one. It doesn't even... Basically says, war is bad for children and animals. Um, refugees should be treated nicer. Maybe. And portals? I don't know. Um, and a very obvious and trite metaphor about how the world is now smaller and um, people can now move everywhere and suddenly all these people from far away are going to be in first world countries and kind of like what's been happening for the last 70 years. Uh, yeah, the, the metaphor in here is boring and trite and has been done better elsewhere and is obvious to anyone who's picked up a newspaper in the last hundred years. The, yeah, the subtext is bad. The text is fucking dire throughout. Um, Motion Hamid, if you're listening to this, uh, this is bad You should, and you should feel bad. And listeners, if you have picked this book up and you like it and you think uh, Saeed and Nadia are cool people and you want to hang out with them, they're not. Uh, they're not your friends. Uh, you're bad too. And your brain is wrong. And the things you think are not good things. So stop them surgically if you have to. There's a film called uh, Pi. You might, uh, early Darren Aronofsky, I believe it was his debut. Uh, that might 
the end of that might contain some clues as to how you stop your bad thoughts about this book not being a piece of crap. But anyway, let's uh, move on to something a bit happy. I was trying to think of um, songs that involve portals, uh, and like a terrible part of me thought of uh, Jonathan Colton's song from the video game uh, Portal and Portal 2. Um, but obviously I can't play those, uh, so instead I'm going to play a song by the band Portal. Um, it's called Frex or Freaks, P-H-R-E-Q-S. Uh, Portal are, I've heard them described as Merc Core. Um, they're death metal, and they're from Australia, and they have this very like down-tuned, um, almost pure wall of static like low bass rumble static, I think like brown noise um, guitar tone that a lot of bands have been picking up on and like uh, the Eclectic can uh, kind of do that kind of sound, although I think they're Nazis. And um, uh, Portal are Australian, so they're, they're probably racist at the very least. Homophobic, definitely. Uh, their singer um, goes by the name of The Curator. Uh, he wears a kind of grandfather clock on his head um, during live performances. I guess it's like mic'd up inside. He's got a really good voice. Uh, like for that kind of death metal cookie monster growl. Uh, his is really like really kind of pleasant, really kind of honeyed vocals. You probably won't hear that, but uh, Frex is a bit more um, easy on the ears than their earlier stuff off uh, Illomorphine and um, there are earlier records. Yeah, if you like this, I encourage you to go back and listen to earlier stuff. Um, Ilomorphim, I can't spell that or even kind of remember exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced because they basically invent words for their song and album titles a lot. And um, that's kind of them at their murkiest and they're kind of coming out of the murk with Ion, this their new album, which Frex is on. And um, yeah, give them a go. Um, see him live because you know, at the very least there's a dude with a clock on his head you know what What else do you want be really funny to watch him uh, just nut machine habit um, that's not a racial thing not not because um, it's just because his book is bad yeah just just watch the curator from uh, just watch him just 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 give like the kind of Glasgow kiss just to anybody, you know? Because he's, he's wearing a fucking grandfather clock in his head, and he's wearing this like suit, and he's called the curator. Like you, you could make a whole show out of him just going around just clocking people. I didn't even intend uh, for that to be a pun, but um, that's going to be the name of the show now, and uh, probably this episode, uh, maybe even this podcast. I'll pivot towards. Um, a podcast trying to persuade the curator uh, to just run around headbutting people, and it'll be really funny. Everyone will love it. I mean, um, Logan Paul is—he's on his way out. Someone's got to fill those shoes. The throne is empty. Me, the curator—I'll I'll get a GoPro. Don't need like a whole setup here. Uh, he just runs around, just like, oh you twat, boom. You know, that's an idea. You know, um, refugees and portals don't care. The guy from Portal, nutting people, brilliant idea. Okay, uh, don't steal that idea. It's trademarked by me right now. You're not allowed to steal it. It's a really good idea. So um, listen to Portal. They're really cool.
from the heavens, these network machines for the most part invisible, and by the public and private executions that now took place almost continuously, bodies hanging from street lamps and billboards like a form of festive seasonal decoration. Really um, doesn't stick the land in with that sentence, uh, that whole festive seasonal decoration. For a start, festive and seasonal are a redundancy, and um, it's just stupid as well. Yeah, so don't go and read Exit West. Don't, but did get me thinking a little bit about uh, well about a couple of things actually. Uh, one is um, because this was set in the Middle East and a clear like kind of Syria analog. This and because it's in my Twitter timeline every three seconds. Um, Afrin in uh, northern Syria, um, one of the uh, three cantons of the uh, Kurdish. I wouldn't call it a state exactly because uh, it's not at all. It's way better than a state. It's basically the most progressive democracy on the planet right now. And it's got uh, Turkey bombing it to ships um, with um, the US's tacit support. 
although the US did arm um, and train the uh, YPG and YPJ. Um, solidarity to them, they're awesome, really great dudes. There's a good article on them and why they're cool in Rolling Stone called Anarchists vs ISIS, which I think is going to be made into a film um, about the central character of that article, a dude named Brace Belden uh, in real life. Um, you who are online may know him from Twitter as Piss Pig Grandma. He used to be called Piss Pig Grandad until he was um, cancelled by Twitter. Unlike, say, I don't know, Richard Spencer, um, Matthew Heimbach, uh, the David Duke, you know. Yeah, Brace Bell, a uh, really cool dude on Twitter and in real life. Um, there's tons of interviews with him on, um, there's one on uh, Chapo, there's one on uh, Hell of a Way to Die, which is a really good podcast by these two dudes who are, uh, they're troops, but they're cool. So, you know. Yeah, and um, like I say, really cool dude. Uh, funny as hell. Uh, he's been on Street Fight as well. Um, seems like a nice guy. And yeah, he was an ordinary dude. Um, he was a florist, of all things. And he went to Syria to join the YPG. Um, for taxonomy purposes, uh, the YPG is the Kurdish um, it's, uh, People's Protection Units, is the acronym's translation. Uh, dead boy military and the YPJ is the lady military. Because they're, they actually practice feminism and it's like in every part of their institutions is profoundly anti-patriarchal and brilliant um, every village has a like elected male and female leader they're like an elected king and queen of the tiny little village uh, and they can be unelected and the people there are not their servants or anything they're the elected uh, male and female officials are the highest public servants but they're still public servants and there are councils and direct democracy and um, yeah it's really fucking cool yeah the historical analog for what's happening in Syria right now is uh, Spain uh, revolutionary pre-World War II Spain um, George Orwell homage to Catalonia Spain um, Ernest Hemingway, that one Ernest Hemingway book, Spain. I think it was the Sun also, right? No, it was a it was a Hemingway book. I didn't fuck with Hemingway. Um, I did. A, I have a degree in American literature. Never read a Hemingway book. Uh, never read Huckleberry Finn. Um, never read anything by John Steinbeck. Um, I did read uh, Roland Barthes' Mythologies eight times, um, and Neuromancer about seven. They're like the only books that get taught anymore. So they basically created a generation of people who are going to be really against a, any possible Neuromancer film. But uh, the Spanish Civil War was kind of interesting and because people like George Orwell and Ernest Hemingway and this whole generation of artists and intellectuals who are all on the left all just packed up whatever they were doing and fought with guns and bombs and knives and sharp sticks and bad language against fascism, literal, real fascism, Franco-fascism. And occasionally, if you're caught in Guernica at the wrong time, actual Nazis dropping bombs on you. And, um, you know, we still have fascism nowadays, but it's a bit sad, and um, mostly online. And not that I um, am denigrating the good work done by... Uh, comrades in Antifa. Um, sometimes I wish they wouldn't, they'd pick their battles a bit better. You know, sometimes they don't come off looking like the good guys and because they're not in a symmetrical media warfare environment and the media is actually a lot more um, sympathetic to the views of literal Nazis sometimes. And plus they dress in black and they look like baddies. You know, don't look like the baddies. Dress like Captain America. That's my tip. Just like... Because the baddies dress like Captain America. They all do. They all have flags and... They even have Captain America helmets. You guys should be dressing like Captain America, an actual anti-fascist. Well, not actual, because he's imaginary. Anyway, but, yeah. So, while um, Antifa are fighting 
semi-crap fascists on uh, college campuses and such. There's um, you know, a dictatorship in Syria, um, and there's ISIS, who no one really likes, very unpopular, um, get a lot of bad press. Uh, though they're kind of on their way out, they're still um, a factor there. There's guys like the Al Nusra Front, who I think the CIA give, gave money and arms to, because we arm the moderates now. Um, and uh, Al Qaeda, um, lot, lots of bad people in that part of the world. And Turkey, which is on its way to becoming, uh, I forget how to pronounce the guy's name, er Erdogan, is how it would be pronounced looking at it, but it's not pronounced anything like that. It's like one of those Irish names, you know? Uh, yeah, he's he's a baddie too, very bad guy. Um, yeah, the had that whole coup. Um, he's been locking up journalists. He's yeah, very um, anti the Kurds, based on some old bombings and some very minor shit. Um, yeah, some Kurdish teenagers spit on a sidewalk and call a cop shoes a fam, and so now they have to invade Afrin. And yeah, and uh, I don't want to like call out um, my entire generation and myself, but I kind of need to call us out. I kind of need to like, like say something that's been bugging me because for a, a long while um, I was like almost packing my bags and off to Syria. And um, things got serious with a girl who's now a wife. So you know, I didn't feel like you know, sending her letters to say I'm shipping off to the front and, you know, I may not send another letter because I'll be dead or horribly tortured by ISIS. You know, I, I don't want to, I'm not brave enough to do that, you know, but I'm sure I'm not the only person who, A, is like kind of infused by um, the Kurdish political project and by, um, Abdullah Ocalan's uh, books and stuff, which is all based on uh, Murray Brookchin's ideas about municipalism, uh, but it's applied in a really cool way that is, works with the like local, I guess, almost semi-tribal structure out there, and like very rural and uh, village-based kind of society on that in that part of the world. And yeah, I, and I'm not the only person who is not a huge fan of ISIS. Like I say, the more or less uh, blanket condemnation of ISIS. Um, I'm sure there's a few tankies who think they're anti-imperialist, but um, generally speaking, uh, people are quite uh, anti-ISIS, and as well they should be. And yet, uh, aside from Brace Belden and really a handful of people, there were no like international brigades, you know? Like, there were international brigades in um, the Spanish Civil War. Like, a brigade is, like, 1,500 to 3,000 people. You know, it's it's one of the largest military formations, uh, below, like, I think, like, a battalion, which could be as many as 10,000. And the international brigades in the Spanish Civil War were, like, like uh, 30,000 people. I think uh, half of them died. Um, yeah, about 32 to 35,000 members and 15,000 who died. I don't know if that's like on top of the 32. No. No, it was like half of them died. So I can see why people are a little apprehensive about this. Um, and, and there were like other um, parts of... They're, they're like uh, the, the anarchists around Barcelona, kind of Catalonia, that um, uh, Orwell was hanging out with. Uh, yeah, they had some people... There was like a lot of, there were little cadres all over the place. And yeah, there were a non-Spanish battalion, the Abraham Lincoln Battalion, the British Battalions. There were people from all over the world here. And there were uh, yeah, 9,000 French, 3,000 Italians, uh, 2,800 United States. And if, if like, there was a genuine effort made, maybe three or four years ago. We, could, you know, the the left in 
the radical left in the West could have easily done those numbers. You know? Like, like the international brigades didn't have Twitter. They, they didn't have... Uh, they, it wasn't viral. You know, because, like, uh, Brace Belden, through not trying, has become this, like, hero. And he is a fucking hero for doing what he did. And, but, but because he's, like, the only guy who did that. I mean, he was the only guy on, like, weird Twitter who did that. But there were other guys, and they have uh, articles about them. And they're probably going to write some books, I hope, someday. Because I hope to read about what they experienced firsthand. Um, oh, any of you guys want a ghostwriter? This, this guy um, got a master's degree from the same institution that lost Nobel Prize when it came from. So you know, reach out, um, and yeah, we, we could have easily double, tripled those uh, international brigade numbers, and there would be there would be women as well. I mean, that's how we double it, because we could just allow women to join the YPJ as well. You know, it, and 60,000 people all jammed into these pretty small battlefields in Syria could have turned the tides real quick, even though, you know, they're going to be people from Twitter, so probably a lot of gamers, uh, maybe not telling the YPG how to do their do their jobs, but maybe put the gamers towards the front. Uh, they're kind of, you know, the, the surface area, if you get what I mean, is kind of uh, more on a gamer. So you know, if you're looking to absorb bullets, maybe, then... You know, a gamer might be the way to go. Uh, so, I'm, I'm sure there are people who do CrossFit and stuff who would be actual good soldiers. Um, I'm sure there are no leftists who do CrossFit, but maybe there's like a leftist CrossFit that you can do. You know, there are like uh, Antifa gyms and places. They, they could have like got people together, trained them up in America. You know, where you can get guns, uh, you can go out to the woods like militias and like train up then go to Syria as a fully trained soldier. Yeah, it, it could have been like our, this generation's like defining moment of the left, like the Spanish Civil War was. This like crucible that like forged this whole um, thing. And if it wasn't for the Second World War happening, um, gone on to do some pretty amazing things. I think the whole experience of the Second World War kind of shook everyone's politics a lot. Not that everyone like, went right or anything, people were still you know, doing more or less who they were, but uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't cool in the middle of uh, World War II to start advocating a revolution. That was just not a good look. Um, yeah, we this the people who ended up uh, joining the DSA after Bernie, all those guys, they could have fought for an actual revolution against the worst people in the world right now, and they could have like made a country, like built a nation state, almost, kind of, that is founded on like such good principles that like every country in the world should be, should, that's like the minimum, that should be like no, the North Korea of a good world, should be um, uh, Rajava. That, that, that should be like the absolute minimum that humans should aspire to. And you know, we, could, we could have been out there doing that. I could have. You know, if I'd sent an email to the right guy at the right time, then who knows? Maybe I'd be dead. Maybe I'd have a maybe I'd have a Booker Prize because of the story I'd write about the shit that happened out there. Um, certainly deserve one more than Machine Hamid. Um, I'm not saying I'm such great shit or anything, but you know, I can think of like a dozen books published this year. That yeah, this year's in 2018. That's like just started. Uh, that are so much better than this crap. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, millennials, my generation. Uh, if this sort of stuff comes up again, if there's like if there's like double ISIS, like ISIS two, like startup, and it's it's getting bad there, uh, then you know, you uh, there's a Facebook group. And I don't want to like direct people to the wrong thing here, so. Um, I think it's called Lions of Rojava, R-O-J-A-V-A. And um, that's a kind of uh, 
that's one of the many funnels you can get into these places if you know you are inclined to kill Turkish people. Um, which it shouldn't be because they're Turkish people, it should just be like to defend this experiment in democracy. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's do and that whole thing had very little to do with uh, Exit West. It's just where my thoughts went during Exit West because my, my brain had to do something because uh, yeah it wasn't doing it I, I wasn't a hundred percent on exit west you know I wasn't uh, giving this one my attention and I didn't need to and don't at me being all like you know if you if you read it you really find it's a very thoughtful discussion of <laughs> no it's not I, I've read it you know it, it's it's not a hard book at all this is like maybe eight it's like maybe sixth grade English and um, yeah, it, don't buy that. But you know what you should buy. Um, today, I got in my emails a uh, nice message from good people at Bandcamp talking about uh, a new release by one of my favorite bands. And you can tell they're one of my favorite bands because the theme tune to this show is by them. Uh, they are The Body out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, well, a shit ton of amazing bands, metal bands, are from right now. Very few like indie bands that I that I know of come from there. Uh, but they um, they've got a new record. It's a full album. Their first since uh, since quite a lot a long time ago. Um, no one deserves happiness in two thousand sixteen. Uh, there have been a lot of. Oh no, uh, Home on Earth, I think, is a full album. That was released in 2017. Yeah, that is a full album. What? These guys are so fucking prolific. You know, I never really thought of them as being incredibly prolific. Prolific, But um, going back to 2007, they've released maybe a dozen albums, and they're only getting quicker. Like, they put out uh, one, two, three, three albums in 2017. Uh, one of them was a best of, kind of. But, um, and there was a, I think there was a split with Full of Hell called Ascending a Mountain of Heavy Light. Uh, Full of Hell are amazing. Uh, they released probably one of my favorite albums last year, um, Trumpet in Ecstasy. And you know who else released one of my favorite albums last year? Uh, a lady named uh, Kristen or Kirsten uh, Hater. Um, she records as Lingua Ignata, Ignota. Um, that's some Latin there for you. And it's um she does the harshest nastiest noise music but she has the I, okay i'm putting this out there she has the best voice in all of extreme music in the year 2018 her voice is amazing she's classically trained so she can do those like operatic high notes but when she goes into like this snarl and a scream that's like you feel that in your soul it's she is such a amazing vocalist and she's singing and screaming and growling about uh, some horrible stuff that's happened to her and to women in general and um the, the album is called all bitches die and it's it's not happy listening um i i actually tweeted a, a link to it and i had to like just for my own conscience, put a trigger warning on it, saying like, you know, if you've gone through some shit, you may want to avoid this one. Because I have gone through very little shit, none. I've never even broken a bone in my life. And yeah, I was like, I was I was freaked out by this album. It really emotionally affected me. I was amazing. And I've not felt that way about an album for so long. Um, but yeah, she's on this uh, song I'm about to play for you called Nothing Stirs. It's off um, The Body's album. I have fought against it, but I can't any longer. Uh, the Body, um, here's another content warning for, me, for you. Uh, the Body talk about suicide a lot in their music. It, it informs so much of their stuff. Uh, there's always going to be a suicide song on every one of their records 
I actually had the pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, Chip Kidd, one of the um, two members of the body, and I, I, I asked him, which was probably a quite rude question to ask, but I asked him if he'd ever thought how he would kill himself if he ever wanted to. Uh, he hasn't. He's just, it, it's never occurred to him to, to sit down and think, you know, if, if I was going to do it, if I had like inoperable cancer, uh, how would I do it? And um, he eventually settled on shotgun to the face. Pretty decent way. Probably the best way, in fact. I was, I was thinking about suicide today, um, as in the abstract. And uh, one of the things that always concerned me is that you void your bowels when you die. And I don't want to have this, like, I don't, I'm not into this, like, beautiful death kind of look. Um, and I'm not suicidal, just right now, um, just FYI. Uh, but if I was going to like inoperable cancer or something like that, um, I don't actually have access to a gun, so I couldn't use that. That's a real, um, real bummer. Because uh, shotgun to the head is kind of one of the few ways you can be like ninety nine point nine 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 recurring certain. It's definitely over. Uh, pills, you may just like wake up with your liver permanently destroyed and have to have a catheter and a stoma or whatever it's called for the rest of your life and never eat sugar or have a drink. But um, shotgun to the head, uh, unless you like blow off half your head or something, you're pretty much guaranteed uh, that that's it. But um, cutting your wrists in the bath, uh, that I mean, it's obviously effective, don't get me wrong, but. Um, I'm thinking about like when the paramedics come and they see you in your bath and it's all red and you've seen that in films and it kind of looks almost glamorous and sexy the way they shoot it sometimes and it's not it's could be and it's not because uh you poop when you die so there's going to be a fucking floater in the bath there with you like a little rubber duck but of your shit that comes out after you die um so don't do it that way and, you know, call uh, 1-800-SUICIDE and, you know, talk to your friends and so forth. I don't want to sound dismissive. Um, if you, yeah, if, if genuinely, if you are um, talking about that, then, I don't know, maybe, maybe even call me. Um, you know, I'm pretty easy to reach on, on Twitter. Um, I'm not entirely stupid. Um, I'm not entirely emotionally tone deaf. Uh, so I can at least, like say no 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 stop that don't do that you know at least be like a negative voice uh to any ideation you may have uh let's let's get off this subject so i'm gonna dig myself in a big hole here um yeah uh the body are an incredible band everything they've done is gold they combine uh electronica noise hip-hop pop music they're um no One Deserves Happiness, they're one from 2016. They're only one from 2016. Um, they describe that as a pop record. And in terms of um, structure and some electronic elements, yeah, it was. It was like Kylie Ray Jepsen. But also it was, uh, I think Chip Kidd is the vocalist, this like terrifying scream that this vocalist has. and crushing heavy guitars and you're going to hear a lot of that on Nothing Stirs um, but you're also going to hear uh, Kristen Hater's incredible voice uh, she needs to be huge um, even if it's underground huge we need to like have total respect for her and uh, defend her at all costs uh, so here's The Body and Kristen Hater from uh, the forthcoming album, I Fought Against It by Kante Longer. This is the song Nothing Stirs. Um, take care of yourselves. Don't read Exit West. <laughs> 